Right now, Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football, with games being played nearly every day at the moment. And with Bet365's Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, numbers of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Listening to Why Always Us, your dose of Manchester City discussion and debate from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Joining me, I've got two of The Athletic's finest, starting with Sam Lee. Oh, hello. And Ollie Kate. Hello. And uh, Premier League football is back underway, and right now we're offering a 30 day free trial to The Athletic for a limited time only. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod to sign up and enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the Premier League reaches its conclusion. Um, so, speaking of the, the Premier League reaching its conclusion, Sam, um, I'd be inclined to say that the uh, Southampton game was one of those days, but it, it's it's been typical of the season, hasn't it? Yeah, it's really difficult for me to work it out. I can't... I don't know... Because on the one hand, I was thinking yesterday, City had been fine here. The goal came from giving the ball away in an uncharacteristic area from a player who may not be involved too much next season anyway. Uh, loads of chances and like good intensity to the chances as well. They came in great bursts. Um, they created enough. They should have won. And you know, normally if that happens, you're not gonna you're not gonna flog the team for that. They they weren't dreadful. And also, you know, Guardiola made six changes from the Liverpool game because it was three days later, and he's trying to keep everyone fresh so they don't get a hamstring injury, miss six weeks, and you know, miss the Champions League. So fair enough. But it's the ninth defeat, and that's happened in like I don't know six of those, and in some of the draws. Uh, the Spurs game at the start of the season was arguably the best performance of the season. Uh, well, apart from the Liverpool <laughs> of the night. Um, and then, you know, even the Palace game at home and the Newcastle game away when they weren't great, but it was exactly the same situation, deserved better. So, yeah, I don't I don't really know where to stand on it. And I don't, that's I'm, the, and the thing, thing is, I'm not sure Guardiola does either. There's no problem with the quality of the chances, is there? Because the, the, the quality of the chances they, cre- they were creating, were, were, they were pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it wasn't like... Spurs away, for example, where City were doing everything they normally do. They were getting to the byline for the first time in ages, cutting it back, and for whatever reason, you know, there was just nobody there, or they missed a chance. Obviously, they missed a penalty. So the chances in that Spurs game, in particular, were were great. Even in the Norwich game, towards the end, they were creating a lot. But yeah, um, yeah, there were good opportunities yesterday, and obviously that one where Fernandinho hit the post and David Silva had the header that came in straight away after. And then the Sterling shot, well, I don't think I saw a proper replay of, but it looked like it didn't go far wide. And yeah, there, there were bursts. Like the last 15, 20 minutes was a bit dispiriting, to be fair. But yeah, like, like I say, there, there was enough there. And I tweeted this morning, because Guardiola was talking afterwards, and I got massive deja vu, because I think I asked him this in February as well. It might have been after that Spurs game. Like How, how difficult is it for him? Because he, he, as he keeps saying, they're playing really well. Uh, and he, as he kept saying, you know, they they score the most goals in the league, but at the same time, in probably ten games now, they've still needed more goals, and it's not just the defence. You know, they've they've not still been clinical enough. Um, I'm not sure if he knows how to work that out, but given as far as I know, 
they're looking for a striker this summer and they did consider it last summer as well before eventually keeping hold of Jesus. I wouldn't be surprised if they just look at it and think, we need somebody who's going to put the ball in the back of the net nine times out of ten. We need a stone-cold killer in front of the goal. And if they are going to spend money come what may this summer, regardless of the cash plan, which I believe they are, it'll be interesting to see if they what route they go down to get that striker. Because I know I've kind of skipped ahead to the solution here, but after a game like that, which is the ninth defeat of the season, like I say, and probably the 10th, 11th, 12th time they've they've created enough chances to win the game but haven't, I do wonder if the, the solution is as simple as get a striker in who's, who's going to score as regularly as, as Aguero does and obviously replace Aguero in the years going forward. Oli, do you think it's as, as simple as that, though? Because, I mean, City are the leading scorers in the Premier League, so goals aren't a problem, yet at the same time, they are a problem. Yeah, I, I think I think Sam summed it up well. They, they, well, what, watching the Liverpool game last uh, you know, last week, what struck me then is, is what an incredibly good side City are when they're when they're 1-0 up and then especially when they're 2-0 up. City have the capacity to absolutely overwhelm teams, pull them apart. Um, but it's just these, these these number of games this season where, as you say, you know, a lack of ruthlessness in front of goal when the pressure's been on and when and when the, you know, when it's been sort of tight half chances in, in a packed penalty area, etc. When, when, the, when, when the pressure's been on, when, it, when the stakes have been highest. That's you know, that. Those are the games we've seen it again and again and again. You know the, you know the the, the derby at, at the Etihad back in December, the game against Wolves, game against Spurs, game against you know at Old Trafford again um, the other week. Even even the um, the Chelsea game. You know they they could have they could have won all of these games. Um, so you're, you're talking about um, yes the where City excel is going forward and, and scoring goals, but but except when they don't, which sounds ludicrous. <laughs> but it, it reminds me a bit of, I mean, it's like it's come full circle, really, because in, in that first season under Pep, he, he, he said, you know, when there was a lot of criticism of, of the defence, he was saying, no, 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 what we really need is, is, is to be more ruthless in front of goal and, yeah. and um, start taking more of our chances. If we, if we do that, then, you know, the, the, then that pressure isn't there. And you, you thought at the time, well, hang on, that's, that's not right, is it? But then you looked at the following season, I think they went up from... 80 Premier League goals in 16-17 to I think 106 the following season and that's without you know he didn't he didn't buy a striker to do that he bought Bernardo he got fullbacks and and you know it wasn't like a he bought an obvious solution but they just improved and they started playing as he knew they could um it's almost like they need to do that but obviously now Aguero is 32 and you know Jesus who's an extremely talented player needs to Work, you know, they, they need to work out whether he's going to be the new Aguero or, or whether they need outside help. It's it's difficult. Sam, what, what do you reckon the solution is? Because, I mean, like like you say, Jesus, you, we've said it on podcasts in the past, He he's not somebody who, like, you can't just sell him and get somebody better. Do you know what I mean? It's not just a, 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 a simple solution like that, can you? Um, it's not simple, but, I mean, it might, it might be a solution. To be honest, I don't think they should sell him. Um, but if... The, like, the solution may well be to to get somebody who is better. They may find somebody who's um, available on the market. And look, I'm not just going to chuck names out there for people to get excited about, but you don't know the situation at clubs around Europe financially. So there might have been a, a player at Dortmund or Tottenham that may may not have been available before, but maybe now. So they might go, okay, well, there's, there's a bit of value there. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be... 
I wouldn't be too surprised. And again, actually, to kind of support my own thinking on this, as Ollie mentioned there, it, it all came together in that Centurion season without buying a striker. But that's why they wanted Alexis Sanchez. That is the that is the main reason. Mm. And while they strengthened the defence and they bought all those fullbacks, I was told all the way through the summer that the number one absolute priority was. Alexis Sanchez because they thought he could bring that kind of leadership and goals to the team obviously again in the end they they didn't get him and they didn't need him and it, it's funny how it works out that way but this city kind of as a club basically not even just the manager the board is everything they don't take chances um, and yeah and that's that's kind of that's it with Jesus and that's what's made me think about John Stones in the past is like if if you've still got a player there of great potential but isn't delivering and they are thinking of selling him which you know I've, I have heard about Jesus for the last 18 months um, How about Stones? Same situation. Um, no, but that's what that's what that's what I'm saying. That's what kind of made me think around December time. Maybe it will be the same for Stones. But now again, I, th- I do think that is the case because, as I wrote last week, they are thinking of bringing in well, certainly one centre back, the top, um, the top tier centre back, Koulibaly. As far as I know, is one of two options, but I think he may be the absolute priority. And then another one which would be a lower priority, but, you know, left-sided and a bit younger and lower profile and not as expensive. Um, but that would depend on a few things. And one of those things, I believe, is if John Stones leaves. So that there we go. Like, I think that is the situation. But the only thing with, with Jesus is, hmm, if City are going to spend a lot of money and they're going to try and recoup some, he would be a good sellable asset. But in my opinion, it would make sense to keep him, especially next year, because if Aguero does go, you can arguably have a new striker and Jesus. And I think that would be the best way to do it, going into the season after next. But also, I think Jesus has got a lot to offer. But yeah, the solution might be, if they can do it, to sell Jesus and get a new striker. But personally, I would keep Jesus and get a new striker if that was possible. Well, Oli, you uh, you mentioned it uh, being very similar to, to Guardiola's first season. Um, I've actually got a little bit of a game for you two now because um, I've uh, I've been back through Guardiola's press conferences both this season and uh, from his first season, and I've got a couple of clips. I just want you to tell me whether or not these clips came from his first season, sixteen seventeen, or whether they came from this season. So, Oli, I'm going to let you go first. Um, this is uh, this is the first clip I've got ready for you. We were not there, so. Uh... Our strength when the opponent has the ball, go the aggressive to, to pick it up, and we didn't. In the right moment, we didn't, when we have done all the season. So was that this season, or was that the first season? Oh, I, 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 I mean, the, the, the sentiments, it could be absolutely either, but I'm, I'm going to sort of look for clues in the, the quality of the audio and, and, the, um, the, um, the, uh, and his accent. Um, uh, no, I, I'll, I'll say the first. That, your guess. that was his first season. That was straight after uh, the defeat to Monaco. So, 1-0 Oli. Sam, you ready? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Do you think it's a problem when the opponent arrives two times a game? Two times a game and we arrive ten times and clear chances because in the boxes we are not good enough. But uh, when the balance, how many chances you create, how many chances you concede, that is what we're going to see. Oh. What do you reckon? I'm trying to not get into the the bluffing psychology here of not doing of you not picking two from the first season in a row. I do think <laughs> I do think it's the first season. It is the first season. Yes. That's after a one or draw against Middlesbrough at the start of the season. Um, yeah. Ollie, third uh, third option for you. And there are many 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 games and for that situations and they arrive in that moment to score a goal. And uh, and it's not a problem about uh, with the strikers and the strikers for the defenders. It's the reality we live in that season. And that's why it would happen again and again and again and again. What do you reckon? 
Um, I, do, do you know what? I, I actually think, I, I remember, I, I think it's the first season again. It is the first um, season again. That came I, I, after. I'm actually going to say, is it the Liverpool game? Uh, not quite. It was Everton. It was Everton away. They lost oh, 4 0. A mile off. Um, so, Sam, last one for you. Uh, oh, what, what do you reckon? Like most of the time, you react when the situation is not good. Uh, and of course, when they arrive, they create problems. And we had all many times we arrived an amount of times in the byline, in the crosses. Uh, in the boxes, we have a little bit problems. Where are we going? Yeah, again, I, I'm, I'm a bit worried about the psychology here. Have you done all four from the first season? But I'm thinking that I'm thinking, although all of these could be from the exact same press conference, I'm think <laughs> I'm thinking that's this season. This season, it is not the win is for Oli. That that was after the four-two loss at Leicester. I picked four from the first season just to illustrate the point about how <laughs> yeah, the two seasons are similar. You swine yeah very <laughs> nicely done but it, but I, I suppose ollie it makes the point doesn't it the, the two seasons are so similar yeah i mean they, they are absolutely and the, the one thing the one thing we haven't mentioned in terms of how to improve things and, and how he improved um things in that in that um second season is that obviously sterling made a huge uh, improvement in that in, in that second season but so did um leroy sane and obviously he's not around and, and that that is a you know the, the, the influence, the, the goals, the penetration, the creativity, the width that they got from Sane is something that they they do really need to 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 replace, and and um, that's something that I think they missed this season when it, when he's played so rarely. It's uh, it's certainly a big summer coming up. Uh, final word for for kind of how it's been going this season, Sam. Um, I I just want to to kind of. Get your feelings on on where City are at, because I mean we talked last week about closing the gap towards Liverpool and all the all the work that they need to do. Um, how big a job is that? Do you think? It, like, how, like what what sort of task has City got in this summer that's coming up? I'm trying to be briefer than we were last week when we devoted a whole kind of pod to this. Um, it's so difficult. My article after the Liverpool game was basically this as well. Um, I don't. Th- I, I know over the next couple of years, with replacing Guardiola, presumably, replacing Aguero and replacing Fernandinho, you start thinking, God, you know, and being 20-odd points behind Liverpool, you God, there's a, there's a big job on. But I do think if we're just looking this summer going into next season, as Ollie has said and as I've said a lot, you know, they're, they're still a really good side. Um, if, if they can start putting those chances away next season, which I don't think will take a lot, uh, Ollie mentioned Osane not being there. They've missed a bit of variety in attack. If they get that variety back, either through a winger or a striker, or I don't know, arguably both, or somebody who can play both positions, I don't know, um, that's going to make a huge difference. You get somebody who can stand, you know, just Laporte, like, just Laporte in the last two games. Just if the ball's broken loose, he's just been there to get rid of it, even if it's on the right hand side. If you get somebody else that can be as reliable as him, then it's almost, you know, almost an automatic improvement. So even if it's Guardiola's last season, even if they get a ban from Cass, as like I say, as far as I know, City are going to spend anyway, and I want to kind of make their point—well, not make their point in the transfer market, but get business done. Whereas in the last couple of years, they've kind of let deals get away from them. If you're thinking about Jorginho and Maguire, for example, so I don't—I don't think that much because they're far away from Liverpool in terms of points. Uh, that's partly because partly because Liverpool have barely dropped any, um, but just partly, yeah mainly because of their own problems a little bit of uh, predictability up front and just that vulnerability at the back but I think they can address that 
fairly easily in the transfer market. And then if you bring in a couple of players and those small margins flip back the other way and you've got players like Sterling scoring his chances again and Bernardo having a good season again and, you know, the fullbacks and the, the midfield looking a bit more solid. I, I just think, I don't I don't think genuinely next season they've got too, too big a job to do to get back towards Liverpool's level, especially if we're thinking that Liverpool not necessarily going to come might, back might, towards might level the pack. out a bit yeah but yeah but but just in terms of the the hunger you know they've won it now it, it is it's a fact of life that once you've won something you know keeping hold of it is is harder than going and, and chasing it um so that might be a fact as well so no I, I think there might be a few very downcast podcasts if city get a a cast ban but i do think next season unless there's some kind of premier league punishment as i said last week um they will be um they will be they will be in a position to, to challenge again and win the league again for sure. Harry's sponsors Why Always Us, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. As a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash why always us right now that's harrys.com forward slash why always us throughout lockdown we did a series of nostalgia podcasts and for the second part of today's show we're doing something a bit similar back in 2007 a young midfielder called michael johnson burst onto the scene at city and was quickly compared to club legend colin bell i was one of those that was convinced he was going to be a start but injuries curtailed a very promising career ollie's been speaking to him for the athletic and we can actually have a, a quick listen of what he had to say just before we get into into the topic of uh, of his career my personality was being laid early, you know, like the 10s, 11s, 12s, and, um, yeah, it, you know, my mindset was um, just, just really low. It was really low, and my way of dealing with it was to play and to be the best I'm worth something. And, um, well, eventually, when I started playing in the first team, when I'd sort of, well, if you like, made it, you know, you start mm. playing regularly, um, that motivation that I had, Basically overnight just went because I thought that I was going to feel better about myself by playing, but by you know being in the first team. And, and when when I didn't get that, when I didn't get that relief of oh actually no I don't feel better, you know that, that light at the end of the tunnel it just went. So Ollie, you've uh, you've spoken to him recently. I, I suppose the first question really is how is he doing these days? He's good. He's good, and um, uh, I think as, as you as you could glean from that. Um, uh, from that little clip, I mean, he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been good in the past. In the past, in terms of his, his mental well-being, you know, he was really struggling for for a long time. And when he was at City, and I think people will remember that when he announced his uh, retirement in January 2013, he, he, he talked about having um, treatment in the priory for his mental health, and uh, sort of said he wanted to be left alone to um, live the rest of his life, and and um, He's, you know, the, the way he's he's described it to me, he, he's, um, yeah, it's been a long, it, it was a long road to that point. It's been a long road since that point. But I think from, you know, what's the point where, where he met his, his wife um, three or four years ago, he's sort of, uh, life has got a lot better. He's, he's you know, got various business interests. Um, uh, he's now a father, a very doting father. 
and uh, yeah, he, he said you know, life life is is now really good, and and um, he's an awful lot happier than he was uh, when he was playing football. It's it's strange, but listening to that little clip, Sam, you can kind of get a sense of, of of the pressure that is on young footballers, can't you? Yeah, you absolutely can, and it's like it's for me personally, it's mad to think that he's he's only six months older than I am, and you think what a what a hell of a lot of things to have been through already. You know, normally when you hear these, obviously there's a lot of young players who, who don't quite fulfill, fulfill their potential and these kind of things happen. But normally you hear about these struggles after retirement in terms of having a full career and then, you know, they, they come back. You, they, you do an interview and the player's about 45, 50 and it's the struggles after the career and you, you kind of associate that with more of a midlife problem after the game. But then you realise for, for these guys, you know, they're in their early 20s. Um, sometimes earlier and they've got all these problems to deal with as they're kind of growing up as well they've got less of an idea of who they are in the world so yeah it, it does it does give you a great idea about the pressures they're under and also it, it goes to show indirectly how the players who do make it the kind of sacrifices and, and the mentality and the belief that they have to have um, to, to stay at that level and that that is um, often a huge huge difference that gets overlooked now, Ollie, there'll be a lot of people listening to this that that perhaps don't really remember him at City, or you know, didn't get the chance to see him at City. What can you just talk us through what happened to him? Yeah, I mean, he he, he made his debut in the what was it, the two thousand six seven season, which was the the, the famous or infamous season of the Stuart Pearce when um, I think City didn't score a, a goal at the Etihad um, from New Year's Day, was it? Um, he 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 broke into that team, and it was, it was an awful team. Really, or it was a, a team that was going nowhere and, and was drifting. Um, then, obviously, um, spend your well, it was the takeover in, uh, the, by Texas Shinawatra um, at the end of that season, and Sven Joran Eriksson arrived, and all these um, you know, players like um, Martin Petrov and Giovanni and Elano um, arrived. Yet, uh, despite all the excitement about, about all these you know, new players, the, the one who really excited. Sven and um, excited a lot of city supporters was was Michael Johnson who was at the heart of midfield and he was uh, he was I don't, you say you has to say somebody has everything but if, you know I, I spoke to Didi Haman about him Didi Haman said that he was a more complete young player than Stephen Gerrard or Michael Ballack because those guys were all about you know, big dynamic big going forward flying forward and he said that. As well as that, as well as being able to do those things, he said Johnson just had this sort of innate uh, game intelligence, composure, vision, um, you know, just a sort of sense of being able to um, think his way through a game in the way that you just don't see with young players. And, I mean, look, his, his real period of prominence was probably for about three or four months, or maybe even less than that, um, um, at the start of that season when, when he scored a brilliant goal against Derby, a brilliant goal against Aston Villa, sort of De Bruyne-type goals. Um, look them up on YouTube, you know, beautiful goals. Um, and then he got injured. Um, and then all these problems... Well, he, he, he was at pains, actually, to, to point out that the problems you know, certainly predated the injuries. And, and that, you know, he, I, I had always assumed that the injuries were what derailed him. And he said, no, look, you know, look the problem was that, was that coming through the academy system and, and growing up, I had no confidence at all. And I was saying, well, 
how can you have had no confidence when people, you know, people like Ericsson and people like Didier Mann and, and you know, the media, everybody was just put singing his praises. And he said, yeah, but that, that was football. That was football praise. I knew I was a good footballer. I knew I was good enough to be a footballer, but I'm talking about everything else. And I was like, oh, okay, so, so what do you mean? And he said um, that you know, just growing up, being in a, in, a, in a school classroom, being in um, a, a football club, you know, a, an academy dressing room or wherever he was, he just said, felt like he wasn't good enough. And I'm not talking football-wise. He just didn't, he didn't have confidence in himself. No kind of self-value. No self-esteem at all, and I, I, um, I was I was quite shocked when he was saying this because I, I I knew he'd had mental health issues, you know, but but it had been described to me and it had been described to you know, in various reports at the time. People were saying, "Oh, he, he's he's started to believe the hype about himself. He's you know he's he's, he's you know he's going out. He's he's doing this. He's doing that." And he said, "No, look, that, that's the that's you know the last thing that was the case." with me i had no belief in myself at all and he would you know once he started going out and and um he would have to you know get a few drinks around him even to be sort of confident down him even to be um confident enough to sort of show his face at a table or a bar it's a chronic lack of self esteem self confidence and you just don't really expect to hear that from um, a professional footballer, and particularly somebody who was so good and and was probably being told from a very early age, "You're so good, you're so good." You know, but he said that he felt the only way he could deal with this confidence issue was by just striving to be the best, you know, the, the best in every team he played for. He felt like if he got to the point where he was he'd made it and he was playing in the Premier League. Then everything was going to change for him. Everything was was going to be um, was going to be different. He would have belief. He would have, and and, and he said that like after those, um, you know, the, the goal against Derby and the goal against Villa, he said that yeah, it, it was a real high for a couple of days, and then a couple of days later, he, he would sort of think, oh no, I just feel like I did previously. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's an incredibly honest thing to say, and and I would imagine that you know, self esteem issues uh, amongst children you know, it's, it's such a it's become such a big um uh talking point over the last few years i think and belatedly but i think at that time he just didn't know what was going on he just thought well what's you know why do i feel this way and, it, and it's very sad really i suppose sam listening to, to how ollie describes what what johnson was like there there's there's probably a lesson for us in in kind of like the way we talk about players like phil foden is the just like uh, making yeah. sure we, we we don't kind of like we we don't put that much pressure on them and let them develop at their own pace. Yeah, I think that's. I think Guardiola's never really admitted it. Um, I remember at one point, I think it was this season, he said, "You're just going to have to trust me, guys. Um, we've got a plan for him." I th- part of it's physicality. Part of it is they didn't think he could play. You know, three games a week anyway at his age and his his physique. But yeah, um, there there should be a, a way. The, the young players are managed. You don't want to expose them too soon. I mean, I did a podcast yesterday morning and I was asked about, oh, yeah, it's looking good for England, isn't it? The Euros with Greenwood and Foden. It's like, 
these guys are 20, like give them a chance. So we're, they're, they're just breaking through at their clubs now in weird circumstances because at the end of the day, let's not forget some of it, some players might react better to not having fans in the stadium. So let's, you know, tread a bit carefully around young players. But, you know, they've, they've barely got their foot in the door of their clubs and we're, we're already talking about them trying to win a major competition with England, which people don't realise how difficult that is. You know, that kind of mental pressure to do that after 50 years of hurting all that. It's it's incredible, and now they're they're expecting you know Mason Greenwood will be what nineteen next summer, to to maybe come off the bench if Sterling and Sancho, who's young enough himself, and and Kane and Rashford haven't been able to do it, and oh yeah, let's chuck this nineteen year old on and he he can win as the Euros. Like definitely, definitely got to be really careful with this, and I do think that's part of the reason why Guardiola has kept um, Foden behind. Uh, and yeah, I mean the, the the problem for for that plan is you look around Europe and there are some. 18, 19 year olds who are playing regularly but I mean th- that might work for them it might not but you've, you've, you, I do think you have to be very careful with these players and not expose them too much and also just from the fans point of view and certainly the media's point of view um, try not to to big them up too much and I know from experience you know speaking to the the agents and families of young players when you do profile pieces around them because you know young players when they break through the fans want to read a lot about them they're keen, as the journalists are, in my case anyway, not to big them up too much because you want to tell the world about who they are and give them a bit of an idea, but you don't want to say, well, he was doing this at this age and doing this at that age because all of a sudden everyone's going to think, well, God, this guy, he could be the next Foden or whatever. And, you know, the Foden himself isn't even you know, that established yet. So, yeah, everyone's got to be very careful with young players because it can, it can, it can all fall apart very quickly as, you know, that's why we're kind of talking about it today. Really, we've got this fantastic example um, from Ollie. Well, Ollie, like, how does how does Johnson reflect on his City career and his football career now? Was he has he kind of made peace with it all? I think he'd, he, I think he made peace with it um, fairly early. I mean, I mean, obviously he had. Um, I mean, he's, he, I, I would expect a lot of City fans have got a certain perception of him because he he signed a you know he signed a big contract and he got injured straight away and and basically he was he was sort of on City's payroll for a long time not playing and, and it, yes he was injured and 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 people will know now will now know the extent of his sort of mental health issues um, but at the time a lot of people aren't very sympathetic towards somebody who's um, Injured while on a big contract and and, and not playing for for years. And but so when when he left by January twenty, or it was it was no, late twenty twelve when when he left the club. Um, I think he'd already decided then. Look, you know, I, I just need to get out of here. I, I need to get away from football. Football is football has has compounded my um, uh, you know my mental health issues, which. Um, which he thought that you know he thought football was going to be the solution to those issues, and he felt that in order to you know, make a clean start and try to rebuild his life, he needed to make a, a clean break for football. So he he he's very I mean he's he's very kind of uh, philosophical really about about the about the career he didn't have. I mean, if, if, if I, I said to him, you know, how did you feel at, at the you know when City won the league in, in 2012, and you know he wasn't even in the ground that day. And, and I said, and, and he said, well, you know, I was pleased for people. I was pleased for people like Mike uh, Richards and Joe Hart, and, and pleased for a lot of the staff and the medical staff that he worked so closely with. But he didn't. 
I think even by that stage he'd worked out just football just wasn't for him, and and uh, he was already sort of seeking a, a way out by then at a young age. Um, so he he's yeah, he, he's he's not really he doesn't strike me as somebody who um, spends a lot spends a lot of time dwelling on what might have been, and and he'd he'd been um, um, I, I I've been trying to get into with him for years. Um, and I think I think I you know I managed to persuade him eventually just by saying, well, look, this is you know, I've been speaking to other people about you, and this is what they say about you, and it would be great to get your your thoughts um, alongside theirs. And um, so he just opened up, but he didn't he didn't um, yeah it, it was interesting. He didn't he didn't really have sort of strong, powerful, you know, vivid memories about about a lot of the about a lot of the good times. Um, you know, if, if we talked about different players and different matches, I mean, it was, it was almost like he, he kind of left that behind him himself quite quite comfortably, really. So it's um yeah, I, I, he's not he's not sitting there stewing, thinking um you know what might have been. Well, do you think he, it would have been different had he not suffered the injury when he did? Um, that would I mean I'm sure he could have had a. You know, a, a better career had he, had he not been injured. I mean, he made the point himself that, you know, apart from anything else, you know, he, he wasn't training properly for ages. And, and, and you know, if you're out on the training field, on the training pitch, day in day out, you know, and you're playing, you get those natural endorphins, which 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 are, are better in terms of mental health. But he 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 the way he portrayed it, 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 it was it was quite clear to him. From an early stage, um, before the injuries, that this wasn't going to, this wasn't really working for him, um, and it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's quite, a, it's quite an extreme case, really, because um, it, you know, what, one of the things he said was, was that you know, when he was sort of trying to you know, coming through the academy system and trying to break in, and he, he, he viewed that as, as um, sort of. The, the carrot of first team football and the carrot of, of um, you know, stardom in the Premier League. He viewed that as the light at the end of the tunnel, and then when he got there, he, he realised that you know it wasn't, it wasn't the light at the end, end of the tunnel that he was expecting. He said it was just you know it was like somebody had switched the light off. Um, I think it's you know I, I wonder how many other footballers will will relate to that because you say normally with with, with footballers that. It, and, and people who are very, very good at sport, anyway, and particularly team sports, I guess you know, a lot of them are very confident. And you have to, and, and, and being good at sport makes them even more confident. Um, but he just didn't seem to feel any of that. Um, and I think that he felt like because of that mindset, which which probably wasn't treated at an early age, and uh, maybe it would be now, um, that he just wasn't able to develop the the mindset to. To, to be a footballer, Sam. This uh, the the interesting thing is as well is like Ollie says there like this may be something that we'd look at now. This this isn't actually that long ago, is it? Uh, no, it's not that long ago. I mean, things are better now, but there's still these massive stigmas attached, and I think in still inside dressing rooms, I still think I'd imagine I still think players probably wouldn't want to admit to it. In front of their teammates necessarily, but even you know, it, I think it's the whole thing. Even if you go to you know, the manager or the I don't know the, the CEO or the chairman, director of football or whatever, and say, "Look, I'm struggling." Maybe they you know they still fear they're gonna um, 
lose their place or be seen as not reliable. And I, th- I think football is still that kind of industry. Um, there's more talk now and there's, that, that I think, but I do think that's all it is in a lot of cases. It is better, but like in so many ways, you know, regarding um, gay players, regarding um, racist, racism issues in the, in, in the Premier League and just in football in general, things are better now, but there's still a long way to go. And I would, I would say that um, help with mental health and how comfortable players feel in, in coming forward with these problems um, is still nowhere near where it should be. Yeah, um, I think finally on this, uh, Ollie, it's, um, I suppose it's good to kind of see that, that he is happy now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when, when, um, when, when players retire, well, you know, in lots of cases, when, when players retire, they, having been sort of perfectly happy souls throughout their career, they, they, they run into mental health problems then. And, and you think, well, for somebody to have actually had to retire at the age of, of 23 for, 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 for mental health reasons, um, when they've had such a promising career, you think, well, how, you know, how is the rest of their life going to be? You know, are they going to have a life full of, you know, full of difficulties because because you know, on top of that they're now going to be without football which has been which has been the environment they've been for a long time but I, I think from from the moment he left football I think that um, that gave him the possibility of making a clean break and trying to um, sort himself out and 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 um, you know get help and he's he's had a lot of help he's been to the fire he's you know spoken to psychologists and and um, um, you know, done a lot of work on that side of things, and I mean, I think anyone who's from Manchester will, will, will probably know, or maybe from South Manchester will probably know. He, he had a pub in in Didsbury for for um for a couple of years, and you think, well, you know, is that is that a good thing for a <laughs> for somebody for, for, for somebody in that situation to be um to be doing, you know, to, to, to be running a pub? And um, he said it was great, and he said uh, you know he really enjoyed it, and but. More importantly, he met his wife there. I think she lived around the corner. Um, they're happily married now. They're they're um, they're um, you know they've they've got a, a, a daughter who's coming up to one, and you know he's got his various business interests. And yeah, I, I think he's he's yeah, he came across as a, as a happy guy and, and a, a guy who's probably he's, the, the he's happiest. Fa- he's he's ever found been. that light that he needed. Yes, absolutely. But you know, it's 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 interesting that a lot of players. You know, the football is the light, and, and and then they leave they leave the football stage, and then they're sort of plunged in, plunged into darkness. He he sort of saw it as the other way around. He, you know, he, he's he's found the light since since um, since leaving football. And uh, Ollie, your interview with him will be on the Athletic soon. Yeah, um, from from Tuesday. Yes, from Tuesday. Well, uh, look forward to uh, to reading that. It's uh, that's it for this week's Wireways. Also, you've been listening to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Enjoyed it. And Ollie Kate. Thank you very much. And to me, David Mooney, don't forget you can sign up to The Athletic with a 30-day free trial now by using the code MANCITYPOD. Mm-hmm.